0: A new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Available wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
0: Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him.
1: Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? If I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted
0: by Ben Kissel..
1: Yeah. <laughs> Boom,
0: we can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey Ben. I'm devastated, Marcus. Why? Roman Reigns Ugh. is going to WrestleMania for the fourth straight year.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a screw job to me. It was a real screw job. <laughs> Braun
0: Strowman Braun Strowman deserved to win the Elimination Chamber. He defeated 5 individuals, Finn Balor, Uh, 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 Elias I don't Mm -hmm. even have to go through all the names Seth Rollins
1: definitely don't need to go through all the names (laughs) You know
0: him You love him The Miz from the real world Uh huh he defeated everybody, and then Roman Reigns barely got the victory. So he's going to headline WrestleMania for the fourth straight year, and I am devastated. Okay. But we still have <laughs> the the match between AJ Styles and uh, and Nakamura. I so, thought you
1: were going to move on to
0: politics. Well, we are. Uh, there's a lot to get to. I thought that's what that butt was all about. <laughs> well, there is a lot to get to. A lot of uh, things happened this past week. We're going to talk about uh, the indictment here of uh, – of um, Paul Manafort, of course, the former campaign manager for Donald Trump, picked up another 32 uh, oh. <laughs> indictments, so that'll make a total of 44 each one of those carries significant prison time also Rick Gates his former right-hand man has now pled guilty uh, with the uh, to the FBI on two counts so we have a situation where Mike Flynn former National national security advisor uh, to Donald Trump has pled guilty uh, one of his aides George Papadopoulos has uh, has pled guilty and now Paul Manafort former uh, chair of the Donald Trump campaign, His right-hand man has also pled guilty. So perhaps Paul Manafort is the biggest fish to fry. Uh, That would be unfortunate for him because (laughs) fry, indeed, he will. He would, without a doubt, die in prison uh, if this all goes uh, to trial. It seems as if he wants to fight it as much as possible. So we'll get into a little detail there. Uh, just a little note here when it comes to China, President Xi Jinping, mm. which I love the name, the Xi, Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping. <laughs> uh, he has rewritten, uh, rewrote the Constitution of China. So he was going to he's going to be president forever. <laughs> so I'm sure Donald Trump looked at that and was like, that's an idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump's new ridiculous, horrendous, uh, based on the Philippines uh, leader there, Rodrigo. Duarte. Duarte. Uh, (laughs) Rodrigo Duarte. 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 Uh, Basically, he's killing all the drug dealers. Donald Trump has sort of followed suit with the idea... Uh, He wants to have a five-year mandatory prison sentence for anyone caught selling uh, two grams of fentanyl. Right now, that's 40 grams will get you five years incarcerated. Donald Trump wants uh, two grams of fentanyl for five years imprisonment. Again, this is the definition of the prison planet. This is a horrible approach uh, to the drug crisis, to the opioid epidemic facing our country. Locking people up is not the answer, but Donald Trump and his reptilian brain, that's all he could come up with. Also, he wants to push for the death penalty uh, for people who are drug dealers. So when we talked about any kind of hope regarding (laughs) Donald Trump and possibly taking on the opioid epidemic from a reasonable, rational, humane perspective, it seems as if the likelihood of that happening is quickly going away. Mm. Also, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, memo. My memo is bigger than your memo, and both (laughs) memos are extremely small. Adam Schiff was able to get the Democratic memo uh, released on Saturday. Donald Trump allowed for the release, and Marcus will do a wonderful reading of Redacted. Everything (laughs) that is important is redacted. Both of these memos are nothing but political red meat for the extremes on both sides. Very little information is actually uh, conclusive from these memos, again, because we don't have the sources and we don't have the methods for how... Uh, the Justice Department received the information that they then went to the FISA courts with, which is really a key component to understanding if that information was uh, retrieved legally and if that information should be seen as credible. Mm. And, of course, uh, Christopher Steele in his dossier, the MI6 uh, special agent out of the U.K., uh, the Democrats say they didn't rely heavily on his uh, on his dossier. Uh, But then uh, later on in the Democratic memo, they kind of say they did. So it's a little confusing. Both of them did a bad job. Yeah, (laughs) it's one of those. It's another stunning, another stunning situation where both Republicans and Democrats look like idiots. All right. So let's get into this scheme a little bit when it comes to Paul Manafort. So this was an eleven-year scheme in which he and his business partner, partner Rick Gates, again who has now pled guilty, allegedly worked together to launder tens of millions of dollars they made doing foreign lobbying work. And when we talk about foreign lobbying, speaking of the Philippine president, they worked with the worst of the worst. They worked with dictators. Uh, They worked with people who uh, were really um, proponents of
1: massacres. I mean, they are really devastating, horrible human rights. Violations. Yeah. The people that were responsible for a lot of the death in the Ukraine, or Abs- just in Ukraine, absolutely. they were best buddies with.
0: So Gates now he has pled guilty to helping Manafort use bank accounts in Cyprus and uh and uh grenada to hide millions of dollars they made lobbying for ukraine politicians way back way way back in 2006 the pair flowed 75 million bucks through offshore accounts and manafort laundered 18 million dollars to buy property and luxury goods here in the u.s gates transferred three million between accounts manafort also used the bank accounts to buy real estate in the u.s and obtain mortgages there was an article that i read in 2012 uh, Paul Manafort paid three million bucks in cash for his Brooklyn brownstone, and evidently, I was talking to some real estate agents. It's not that abnormal to pay cash, even up to that number. I, I thought, because like, I was like, this proves like something's going on, mm-hmm. and they told me that over half of their clients in big, you know, when you're buying 18 million, 20 million dollar uh, places, evidently it's like kind of normal. So I guess that's not so bad on its face. But nonetheless, where do you get the money from? Uh, you know, that's yeah. the question.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. If you're buying three mil- a three million dollar home, you're not going to put out a mortgage or anything like that. Like these are people yep. with a lot of money.
0: Yep. So now that we have uh, now the FBI has Gates uh, firmly in in their grasp, they say he might be used to go undercover, but how? Unless he goes through like a. John Travolta Nicholas Cage level <laughs> face removal program and he comes out looking like somebody entirely different. I don't see how anyone trusts talking to Rick Gates. Papadopoulos a little bit different of course because you recall he actually pled guilty in July and we didn't find out about it for about three months. So no one knew that that man was actually working at that time for the FBI and we still don't know what information Papadopoulos was able to receive. Well he was theoretically working undercover for the FBI that whole time. And mm-hmm. Obviously Mueller has a lot of information uh and that's
1: what that is what's catching all of these people in lies. And we also don't know who has already pled guilty and is currently working undercover for Mueller. Undercover. We never know.
0: Like uh like what was it? Uh, Exit to Eden. <laughs>
1: Remember that great movie with Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell. It's one of the six movies you reference and like three of those movies have Dan Aykroyd and the other three have Uh John Candy. I gotta type. (laughs) I have a I like And one of those movies has both.
0: Yeah. Don't forget Rosie. (laughs) Don't forget Rosie O'Donnell. So that's where we're at right now. Gates faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison, but it's more likely his sentence will range from almost 5 to 6 years, and obviously he saw the writing on the wall, he knew where the investigation was going and uh, protected his butt the best way that he possibly could, but even with again, the the guilty plea, he's still going to do a significant time. Gates, I believe he's 49 years old, so younger than uh, than Manafort. Manafort going already 70 years old, so I don't even know. The the amount Of pills this guy might must be popping. (laughs) I'll use another movie reference. Dumb and Dumber. The guy with the heartburn. He's got it. Manafort has got to be popping so many heartburn pills. He's got to be on lewds, on uh, you know, uh any kind of, of drug that could possibly ease the
1: tension that is no doubt tearing apart. Uh, his soul at this point. Well, this is speculation, but when you look at the number of counts that uh, Manafort is facing, uh, it's very... Po- I mean, you look... Uh, Manafort got, what, what was it, 12 counts at initially. First, initially, 12 counts. He, he has the 12 counts down. He says he's going to fight it. Uh, then a long time goes past, and then suddenly it's, boom, another 32. Yes. Uh, oh. it, I mean, it makes you think that maybe they tried to flip him, and he just never did. And they said, if you don't flip, we're going to hit you with 32 more counts. And yeah. he said... All right, and I'll it, take it. It is also possible
0: that we just he doesn't have anyone to give up. Yeah, it is very uh, possible. It, it is possible he is the biggest again fish in this uh, in this pond. Despite the fact that we have a lot of uh, smoke, specifically when it comes to the Trump White House, uh, when it comes to the Trump uh, Tower meeting, you know, with Donnie Trump Jr. and uh, and Kushner and uh, and Kislyak. So there's a lot of smoke there, mm-hmm. but a lot of uh, at the same time, stupid smoke. A lot of s- very stupid smoke. <laughs> But we can't conflate the two. This is not about this is not the collusion uh, portion of the Manafort of the uh, of the Mueller investigation. These are two concurrent investigations running, and I've seen a lot of people cross the streams. Mm -hmm. And it's because I understand it's a little bit confusing. But these are two entirely separate things, obviously reflecting poorly on Donald Trump and his campaign and who knows what happened with all of that given the fact that Manafort was extremely powerful in said campaign which by the way Donald Trump now says Barely knew him. (laughs) (laughs) It is just amazing
1: that he—I barely knew him. It is such utter nonsense. I mean, all it proves right now in relation to Trump is that Trump associates with terrible people and works with terrible people. But we already knew that. We already knew that. I mean, that—that's nothing. That is absolutely nothing new. But I mean, we knew that he associated with terrible people. See Steve Bannon. Mm -hmm. uh, But now we know he associates with uh, criminals, with very, uh, very serious criminals.
0: You don't become a billionaire in New York real estate by being a nun you know like it is one of the most corrupt industries i was actually going back to what i was talking i was talking to some uh realtors over the weekend it is uh it's extremely cutthroat yeah and it is again they don't ask where the money comes from they just want to sell these houses and the level of stress my god they seem like uh they are, They're. I mean, they, they're more stressed out than Nixon. I mean, they just, I'm telling you, once they started talking about work, I was like, we can change the subject. You know we won the gold in curling? Isn't that special? By the way, the US, I know Donald Trump promised we were going to do so much winning. We got
1: fourth in the medal count mm. uh, in South Korea, but that's okay. They gave it their best shot. That's totally fine. Yeah, you know, and as far as a uh, Trump, you know, lying down with criminals and such, the the biggest problem here is that a lot of his supporters like that. You know, a lot of his supporters are completely down with that. I mean, it's like what the mm. evangelicals say: "We knew we didn't elect a priest." No, they definitely did not. Yeah, you know, and, and so they they like that. You know, they you know the strongman type of uh, yes.
0: d- of image. And of course, CPAC was this past weekend, oh, and it was, CPAC. It was Ugh. so. A love fest for Donald Trump. Jesus. It was as dumb as it gets. There was only one woman. Marcus, can you Google this
1: woman who got booed at CPAC? I read about this story the one that had to be uh, escorted out by security. By
0: security. Uh, Marcus will find her name.
1: This woman, she's a very uh,
0: conservative, very Republican. She went on stage at CPAC and was talking about the hypocrisy, specifically in the context of sexual harassment. And uh, Donald Trump's uh, affair, which we know is confirmed uh, with Stormy Daniels, of course, the adult film actress. Uh, no, not an indictment on Stormy Daniels or her profession, but this would have previously gotten presidents uh, fired. You know this would have this would have been a done this would have been uh, a destroyer specifically when it comes to a Republican who were supposed to be the party of morality supposed to be the party of family
1: values and it turns out uh, family values have shifted. <laughs> can it's, you can you imagine if it came out that Ronald Reagan had had sex with Marilyn Chambers? Oh my goodness! Well now I have a visual. Bill Clinton with Jenna Jameson. There it is. Jimmy Carter. Well, they, just Jimmy Carter. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> G- Jimmy Carter with with Linda Lovelace. Oh, my goodness. I'm just naming all the great porn stars of their time. There it is. So, Her name was Mona Sharon. Mona Mo- Sharon. Mona Sharon. Mona over Sharon. Over
0: Yes, over get, The only one to get booed, I mean... My goodness, Wayne LaPierre is up there uh, espousing his nonsense. We'll go on to guns here uh, in a second. In the wake of the Parkland shooting, the sheriff, uh, Israel, is under quite a bit of fire for the response of his department to that event. And his response uh, since then has been very defensive and very braggadocious, Mm -hmm. calling himself like the greatest sheriff of all time. I mean, uh, very bizarre. But just back to Gates Briefly here, one new charge Friday zeroed in on the conversation Gates had with investigators earlier this month about Manafort's Ukrainian lobbying. Uh, Gates lied to investigators earlier this month about a 2013 meeting in Washington attended by Manafort and others. According to the document, Gates lied when he said Ukraine was not discussed at the meeting. This is according to a new court filing. It says Gates had participated with Manafort in preparing a report that memorialized uh, for leadership uh that yeah memorialized for ukraine leadership to uh the pertinent ukraine discussions that manafort represented had taking place at this meeting so basically as we just said Mueller knows what uh, the meetings were about he asked them what the meeting was about uh, gates lied and therefore we have a charge of lying uh, to the fbi which is how a lot of this stuff just ends up going down mm-hmm. Mueller, at this point as we've talked about on this show when you're up against the federal government, it's an uphill battle because they get paid to prosecute you, and you have to pay uh, to defend yourself. So he's got all the time in the world, and it seems as if he is taking it, and it seems as if he is crossing his T's, dotting his I's, and there is, uh, looks like, no light at the end of the tunnel for Mr. Manafort. Mm-mm. And going to end up... Rotten away in a fairly nice prison. Fairly nice, and I guess. Maybe he and, uh, you know, he and uh, what was it? Um, Sideshow Bob? Sideshow Bob could be there. <laughs> What's the name of the fellow? Uh, uh, oh, my God. Ponzi scheme king, Madoff. Oh, oh, Madoff. He and Madoff can exchange some fun stories about, uh, <laughs> I don't know, holding money or something. I'm not really sure <laughs> what the hell they talk about. Remember when we held all that money? Ugh, it was so great, that money. <laughs> Who cares? Money goes away. You know what? Love stays forever. It is true. Yeah, I've read that. All right, let's go on. <laughs> let's go on here and talk a little bit about the Florida, the in the wake of the uh, the Parkland travesty. First of all, uh, Fringe media outlets. Uh, no class, no morals whatsoever. Still attacking they're people. Getting, they're for, getting worse. Oh, they're getting so much worse. We have one uh, situation where there was a Republican actually out of Florida, Brian Mast, and he is calling for an, a ban on assault rifles. And let's not forget, 1994 to 2004, assault, uh, assault rifles were banned. Uh, the Second Amendment was not eroded. Everyone was fine. The nation continued to truck along. The NRA was fine. Uh, so I think that this is a reasonable uh, request and we're not even close to getting something like this done on a federal level. Now when was the assault rifle ban again? 1994 to 2004. It was, it was, it was attached to the Brady Bill.
1: Imagine if Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris had AR-15s. Great point. Imagine that, would, that.
0: Yeah. So, what do we have? We had 13 died in Columbine, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah. That number would have been absolutely through the roof. Yeah.
1: If those guys would have had long range weapons, you know, they had uh, Tech Nines and shotguns, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If those guys would have had long range weapons, if they would have had AR 15s, oh uh, Columbine would have been in the dozens, yeah. you know, like dozens plural, not totally. just a dozen. It would have been in the dozens had those kids had AR 15s. Remember right. that. I mean, so, that, that is a very important thing great point. to remember. Yeah,
0: great point. And, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, criminals are going to find the guns anyway. Okay, I'll, I'll concede that point don't make it easier for them to do it. Please don't. It doesn't make any... It's it's such a counterintuitive argument. I'm like, okay, if they're going to find a way, don't just be like, and here it is on a silver platter. (laughs) Because I know you're going to figure it out anyway. Also, this idea of like mastermind criminals. Criminals are dumb. Yeah, They are like the majority of criminals. There are very few masterminds. It's one of the biggest misnomers. It's one of the biggest lies that we have uh, when it comes to criminality. Most of them are too stupid to make money any other way, so they have to go into these extremely uh
1: ridiculous modes uh to find some cash So this guy nicholas cruz like he uh was not a criminal mastermind no he Uh, he was an he was an absolute idiot i mean this guy would not have been able to find a straw seller uh to save his soul he would not have been able to find an ar-15 uh to save his life um without just going to the store and buying it and of course we have the situation where you know
0: uh he was on the police radar. Everyone understood that this guy was, uh, uh, you know, potentially violent. Everyone understood that he had extreme psychological issues. They did nothing, and that goes back to what I was talking about on Russian television. Uh, you know, it's different. If you, uh, they did everything right. They saw something. They said something. And the authorities did nothing, which is now what the NRA is looking at as the prime reason why this event happened they're trying to pass the blame pass the buck off to uh to the law enforcement which is another strange politics of the time where the republicans and the NRA are now against law enforcement those have been married those two ideas and entities uh, and institutions have been married for
1: a very, very long time. Well, it's strange because they are—they're just going against the intelligence communities. Uh, the as far as the rank and file of uh, police officers go, it seems like when it comes to drugs, that's when they dovetail. Like that's mm. when that like that seems to be the only arm of the federal or the only arm of law enforcement the the Republicans are really into right now. Yes, and of course, drugs and immigration. Drugs
0: and immigration. yeah. ice ice picking up. Uh, well, honestly, where Obama left off in a lot of ways and uh, advancing uh, these very aggressive tactics when it comes to uh, immigration. So uh, let's go back here to, to Florida. The Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel he is insisting that one of his armed deputies uh, did nothing wrong or uh, he, this guy, Scott Peterson, who has since, I believe, resigned. He's been suspended. And I think he did resign. I'm not sure. Either way, his days are numbered. Scott Peterson, uh, no, not the person who murdered multiple women, but the man who stayed out of a school while multiple people will get, were getting uh, murdered. Um there were other deputies out there who did not go into the school, and uh, Sheriff Israel believes that uh, you know he's one of the greatest sheriffs out there. He doesn't really see his uh, – he didn't think that his uh, department made any mistakes. And I think the way that he's acting in the wake of this uh, tragedy is uh, immature and
1: just so obvious that he's trying to save his job. <laughs> Asked whether the killings at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School might have been averted if his office followed up on a slew of prior calls about the shooter being mentally unhinged, Sheriff Scott Israel responded with this answer. If it's and butts were candy and nuts, OJ Simpson would still be in the record books. Bring up OJ. That's a good idea because everyone was thinking like, but what about OJ? Everyone was, yes, that is absolutely perfect. And and this was to Jake Tapper. And Jake Tapper said, I have no idea what you're talking about. No kidding, because it doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah, and he says he has amazing leadership, this Israel guy. Yes. Uh, he has amazing leadership. And he, as of a day ago, he is refusing to resign.
0: And Scott Peterson, he has resigned rather than face suspension. And, so and that's Scott it, with one T. Scott with one T. You can, I mean, honestly, just Google the name Scott Peterson. You will have a lot to read. <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem like it's not the best name out there uh, right now. You know, Donald Trump uh, has said that he wants to take this issue on. We're also going to talk about Donald Trump's ridiculous statement about how he would have ran in uh, to that school if he had heard the shootings. That's a whole other thing. But on a serious note, he has promised to address this issue, and it seems like he is reneging on certain ideas once the NRA has told him that those ideas are not in their playbook. However, today, or was it yesterday, he did say uh, that sometimes we have to go against the NRA. We're not just going to be friends with the NRA. Sometimes we have to confront them. Words, words, words. As I said last week, he has no longer said that he is going to push for the 21, uh, being 21 or older to purchase an assault rifle, which is something the NRA did not want him to do, uh, when it comes to, um, Uh, When it comes to bump stocks, he had signed an executive memo to have the ATF look into it. Again, uh, who knows what will ever be done with that. That's not an executive order. It's an uh, executive memo. Uh, We have the situation when it comes to background checks. He has said that he wants to strengthen background checks. Nothing has been put on the table right now that would make that seem like it was going to be a possibility. The only bill that's out there is a bipartisan bill that basically asks the federal government to enforce the laws that are currently on the books, which, hey, I guess that's a start enforce the laws that are already there and then other than that every other proposal that uh, donald trump and his administration has come forward with has been very pro-gun pro nra uh and embraced by the national rifle association whether it be arming teachers uh, more deputies outside of schools having armed guards inside of schools and as i said again on kremlin tv the idea of conditioning kids To be around um, a prison-like environment, to me, is just so dangerous and just such another step in the wrong dystopian direction when it comes to uh, our prison system and just when it comes to the psyche of what it is to be an American. We talk about freedom. We talk about liberty. And meanwhile, kids in high school and uh, soon-to-be middle school are going to be surrounded by armed guards and potentially armed teachers. And my personal belief is you introduce more guns to a school, there's a more, more likelihood uh, of gun violence. If a teacher is strapped, a kid knocks them out, Now he's got a gun. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. You know, Uh, uh, to me, it's just one. The idea of flooding a school with more guns to deter gun violence is so counterintuitive and so ridiculously over the top and stupid. Some legislators, state legislators have already passed uh, this kind of legislation. And so I'm sure some states uh, will go forward with that idea if the federal government pushes it. First of all, Other than it being completely ridiculous, I think it's also uh, against states' rights and hopefully they just uh, don't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also uh, just think about a teacher sitting down his gun for whatever reason. What a, ha- you know, he he has to gun's go-
0: digging into my hip.
1: <laughs> I mean, do you want your teacher saying that? Yeah, yeah. He's got to change a light bulb or something stupid, something sure. so mundane because everyday life is filled with mundane tasks, especially when you're a teacher, and some kid just decides he's going to grab the gun. Absolutely. You know, and he decides he's going to grab the gun and he's going to use it. Uh, that is, it's an extremely idiotic thing to have mm-hmm. uh, armed teachers and and not just let's just look at the cost here you know if you look yep. at the cost of training all of these teachers train not it's not training every teacher what does he say what 10 to forty percent twenty percent twenty percent twenty percent yeah I, I read a story about this the other day about the cost twenty percent uh, and also we're gonna have to pay for those guns you right. know we're, to, we're not gonna let them bring their sick shooter you know it you have right. to issue guns to these people and you're probably gonna give them a glock uh, if you you give them the discount Glock, uh, the um, cheapest one on the market, the price tag would be around $780 million. Okay. Uh, And then if you go with the standard Glock, you know, your uh, Mm. just regular run-of-the-mill Glock, you know, the one that's pretty reliable, Mm -hmm. uh, the price tag goes over a billion. You know what they need? I've always said this dry erase markers (laughs) that's what
0: teachers need in this country
1: teachers can't even pay you know teachers have Uh, to buy their own supplies i know it's unbelievable you know like that most teachers have to pay for uh, their own supplies out of their own pocket unbelievable and that's what we're putting into our schools we're spending a billion we're they're proposing to spend a billion dollars on guns on arming teachers when we could that when there are so many different ways that yep. we could tackle this problem but every single one of those ways is blocked by the nra right uh, or and therefore blocked by congress yeah and therefore blocked by congress uh and the exact quote uh, in the context of that uh quote that you uh mentioned about donald trump of him talking to these uh governors he said don't worry about the nra they're on our side Half of you are so afraid of the NRA. There's nothing to be afraid of. And you know what? If they're not with you, we have to fight them every once in a while. That's okay. They're doing what they think is right. But sometimes we're going to have to be very tough and we're going to have to fight them.
0: Thirty million dollars. That's what the NRA gave Donald Trump. And again, uh, they will continue to reap the rewards of that investment
1: and as far as uh, what donald trump thinks uh the requirement should be for people who have the guns in those schools uh he says uh he wanted quote and this is a quote uh-oh highly trained people that have a natural talent <laughs> like hitting a baseball or hitting a golf ball yeah or putting you know i do think that baseball would be more fun if you had to shoot
0: the ball <laughs> And maybe maybe more difficult. Dude, yeah, and they say hitting a baseball is the most difficult thing you can do. What about shooting it?
1: Yeah, only to only naturally ta- talented people. So like yeah. we're just going to take all the take all the teachers on a nice little field trip who, to the putting green. Yeah, it's
0: like the movie It when Bev was able to hit the bottles, and uh, she's like it was it was meant to be Bev, and now Bev, who may may very well have been a great school teacher, yeah, uh, yeah she will be the one who is armed, but unfortunately not with a slingshot, mm-hmm.
1: with a gun yeah, and of course uh the most famous line from that talk I really believe I'd run in there even if I didn't have a weapon. So we have a situation where a
0: man who jokingly talked about shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue and still being able to get elected president is now the one who is deciding our gun laws, Yeah, which that should be horrifying. Also, we have a situation where a man uh, refused to join the military because of bone spurs. Five times. Five times. We have a situation where a man was scared to hell from that eagle, if you watch that (laughs) gif, which is incredible, the idea that Donald Trump would run into the school. But this place into this narrative you see these uh you know these depictions of him in this kind of light on a regular basis you know him with the uh you know just being like this brave soldier type uh this really almost dictator-esque kind of image that a lot of his followers the strong man the strong man can you imagine how weak he would be in a situation like that with his big old butt, just just quivering and hiding, beginning to cry underneath a car? Uh, of course Donald Trump would not run into a school if there, if there was an active shooter. There is nothing no. more ridiculous I can possibly think of. No, absolutely not. I would put him among our most skittish presidents. Absolutely. Now, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, he might have been the active shooter. <laughs> who knows? But, yes, I can see Jimmy I Carter c- possibly meandering into the room. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Throwing S- some peanuts at the guy, you know, <laughs> letting know. him know. Hey, yeah. just cut it out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, I mean, just absolutely asinine. I would see W doing something I could see. Uh, who knows? Obama's more professorial,
1: uh, but I could see him doing something. I don't know I don't if I'd know. see Clinton doing something. I could definitely see Reagan doing something. It's just ridiculous. Nixon's doing nothing. No, Nixon is like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like loving every
0: minute of what's going on. The mayhem uh that would ensue in a uh, in a shooting like that. So that's where we're at regarding um Regarding the Second Amendment conversations happening in this country, if you watched CPAC at all, you would probably feel extremely uh, disheartened by where the country is going. But that's a very finite group of individuals that aren't even representative of the Republican Party as a whole. And again, we got this one guy here, uh, this Florida Republican Republican. Uh, Brian Mast calling for a ban on assault rifles saying that he is not worried about the wrath of the NRA I think the NRA has had a couple of lumps over the past couple of uh, over the past couple of days Uh, within the past week they've taken some taken some bumps Uh, Dana Loesch being one of the more vocal advocates of the NRA uh, paid by the NRA to be a spokesperson uh, seems to be coming across Uh, more ill-informed than than a lot of people previously thought she might be. Mm. And, again, this whataboutism that the NRA is saying when it comes to there were so many red flags, how didn't they catch Nicholas Cruz before all of those things are valid but then we also have to look at uh how we he, how he was able uh to pull off such an unbelievable uh mass murder so incredibly easily i mean what was it it was 3 minutes right i yeah. think that's how long 17 people's lives uh diminished gone eliminated in 3 minutes i mean come on and come on folks uh, obviously we all know that that is uh, not at all a reasonable situation to have happen in uh, in this country so
1: this is not a binary situation this is oh, not an either not. or situation like either we look at you know, either law enforcement looks at uh, actually following up on the tips that they receive or we have stricter gun laws it's not either or here it's no. both you and know? it's
0: not like again i just feel like we're we're losing the conversation everyone uh, you know because everything is so hyper partisan they're just so concerned that oh my god you you start taking away semi assault rifles uh, you you put a ban on like like what happened in the 90s next thing you know they're they're breaking down your doors and taking your arsenal it's just impossible sim- it's impossible it is absolutely absolutely impossible, impossible. yeah um, all right so let's move on here let's talk a little bit about this memo that was released on Saturday <laughs> this is the Democratic memo uh, Adam Schiff uh, pushing for the release of this thing it is, uh, it's interesting in a, in a, in a way. It's, <laughs> it's definitely that,
1: an artifact of the times.
0: Yes. Everything you want to know is redacted. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I thought was the most fascinating about it was on page one of this thing, Of this uh, of this memo, they say that the Christopher Steele, the M16 special agent, again, was not influential in uh, having uh, in in uh, in them uh, attaining information that then led them to go to the FISA courts. But then on page seven, they kind of say that he was or that the dossier was. So it's they're speaking on both sides of their mouth. And again, as with the Republican memo, this is a soy burger. It is. There's really uh, very little for us to actually chew on and it's just political gamesmanship and I'm sure people on the left will think this is unbelievable that the you know the the uh, the Magna Carta as people on the right thought of the memo
1: that uh, Devin Nunes released and neither of those are true well the difference is here is that I I think this one does show like it is definitely a soy burger as is right uh, but it does show that there's information here oh that that there's that there's definitely there's something here there is but we we just just don't don't know know. we just don't know for example for example the Department of Justice this is one of the bullet points right Department of Justice explained the FBI's reasonable basis for finding still credible the applications correctly described Steel as redacted redacted and uh, right before that you get uh, and this is another very important part very important thing no the court-approved surveillance of page allowed fbi to collect valuable intelligence the fisa renewals demonstrate that the fbi collected important investigative information and leads by conducting court-approved surveillance for instance redacted right doj also documented evidence that page redacted Uh-oh. anticipated redacted Uh-oh. and repeatedly contacted redacted in an effort to present himself as redacted you know redacted's a horrible name for a child (laughs) that's what i would say page's efforts to redacted also contradict his sworn testimony to our committee so there's meat there there is so there's so there's so there's there's a lot there's a lot here we just don't know what it is and one
0: of the questions is what led them to spy on carter page right like this is a private u.s citizen the fISA courts are not supposed to be used against private citizens That's really one of the main issues, and we just don't get to any of that true substance. Mm -hmm. So we just have this um, hyper-politicized counter-memo to the Republican memo that really doesn't get to the core of, are our courts, are our secret courts spying on individuals who have constitutional protections in this country? And that we just don't get to because, as Marcus just said multiple times, Redacted. Yeah, and it was and that's th- what bo- that's what's
1: bothersome. Well, it wasn't it, it is the FBI that is redacting all this, correct? Yes, like it, it is this the FBI was, is not the White House that is redacting this. It is not Republicans. It is the FBI that is redacting all of this. Yes, they so that's did, very
0: important. They did decide to uh, redact a little bit more. It's a it's a longer memo than the Republican memo, and yeah, Adam Schiff in the in the name of national security. Uh, yes, the Democrats definitely had a lot more
1: things redacted than uh, than the Republicans did. But so. they, but the, it's the FBI that redacted all of this and all of this stuff is definitely I mean, if depending, it's the
0: FBI, it's the intelligence community. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the, the the legal team in the Trump White House. I think it was
1: an overall consent. I think the Democratic Party was also fine uh, with the, with it being redacted. Yeah. But it's uh, so essentially the deep state. You know, the intelligence community were the ones that were in charge of redacting most of this stuff. Well, you still have a lot. This is very new. I mean, so you still this is coming from
0: 2016. So you still have a lot of these agents on the field. You know, mm-hmm. you have a lot of different things that investigations that are currently underway. So I do understand you don't want to put your agents uh, in risk. Uh, you know, it, it ends their careers. If, mm-hmm. Of course, we recall Valerie Plame. Way back in the day during uh W's administration, getting outed, you're done. I mean, yeah. that's that's the whole point. If you're no longer a secret, you can no, no longer be a secret agent. So I do understand it from the um, from the perspective of protecting the it? Dozen- hundreds and hundreds of secret agents we have all over uh, the world
1: oh i'm definitely i'm not yeah. saying that uh, you know that it's any sort of nefarious plot what i'm saying is that if the deep state really wanted to take down trump and the republicans if they were really going after them uh then i think they would have let some more of this stuff out like i know some of it was definitely protecting agents but i think i I really don't think that this is something that is a uh, partisan here uh, as far as the redactions go because uh, I and I also think that this says something towards like the FBI not being, partisan like the fbi not being partisan on uh the side of the democrats or on the side of the republicans i think this is the fbi saying like we need to protect our people and we need to protect our sources
0: so going back to what i was saying as far as page one this is a bullet point christopher steele's raw intelligence reporting did not not as underlined so you really know they're serious did not, did not. <laughs> uh inform the fbi's decision to initiate the counterintelligence investigation in late july Of 2016. And of course, go. You can find this memo online. I'm just reading it. This is a Bloomberg article uh, that linked to it. So, you know, please go and and read the whole thing for yourself. So it says it did not. But then if you go to page seven, we have a situation where in its court filings, DOJ made power proper use of news coverage. The majority falsely claims that the FISA materials relied heavily on September 23rd, 2016 Yahoo News, which I cannot believe (laughs) the Yahoo News is used. as Everyone wonders, like, who goes to that? Old people who work in the federal government, evidently. News article by Michael Isakoff. That the that this article does not corroborate the Steele dossier because it is derived from information leaked by Steele himself. In fact, DOJ referenced Isakov's uh, article alongside another article. The majority fails to mention not to provide separate corroboration for Steele's reporting, but instead to inform the court. Of Page's public denial of his suspected meeting in Moscow, which Page also echoed uh, echoed in September twenty fifth, two thousand and sixteen letter to then FBI director Comey, redacted, redacted, redacted. So it's uh, they they say they used this Yahoo News article, which was uh, heavily influenced by my uh, by Christopher Steele. Um, so it, it's just there is a there's a little bit of double speak here and a little bit of speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Nonetheless. Uh, This has been uh, a political football that has been kicked around and passed around by the left and the right now for some time, and hopefully uh, we can kind of put this thing uh, to rest, although I do not see that happening anytime soon. Trump, of course, proclaiming this is definitive uh, vindication for him and of course uh, the Democrats saying that it is not and of course as we already said we just don't have the information that we need to actually know what the truth is because as Marcus read multiple times it's redacted. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on quickly here to this drug situation. Uh, This was a story that I think went a little bit under the radar Uh, Donald Trump when it comes to drugs wanting to charge five years imprisonment for now selling two grams of fentanyl. Of course fentanyl a key component when it comes to fighting the opioid crisis we do fentanyl is a very dangerous uh, dangerous drug incarceration is never the answer and it seems to me like we are going further and further in that direction as donald trump seems to love the politics of the leader of singapore of the leader of the philippines he sees these strong men as uh, Putin, for, uh, as well, of course, he sees these strongmen as things, as entities, as people to be emulated, as opposed uh, to individuals who are stripping the civil rights, the human rights of their constituents on a daily regular basis and are horrible horrible leaders devastating their populations i think that's what's so scary about donald trump he is so drawn to the worst of humanity which makes a lot of sense roy Cohn being his uh his one his right hand man the the strongest uh proponent when it comes to him legally of course he was the lawyer for mccarthy for crying out loud that's what got his break um Uh, Being, I mean, uh, heavily negative against uh, the gay community, being gay himself, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, obviously the Roger Stones of the world, Paul Manafort's going back to what we were talking about uh, when it comes to when it comes to Flynn, uh, Papadopoulos, Gates. Trump associates with despicable people. That's it. I mean, he is a despicable person himself. And evidently that that plays into his uh, into his view of what masculinity is and what leadership is and thank god we do have term limits unlike what's happening in china right now because you can see this man as time continues as time goes forward with him having power he's becoming more and more used to the idea of wielding
1: such power mm-hmm. and uh, you know the military parade that he's still in it's the process happen. it's a, it's absolutely millions of happen. dollars yes it's, millions yes. upon millions of dollars that we're going to be sending on right. on a military parade i mean this is it's absolutely ridiculous, and I think it's not just him. You know, looking to the uh, the worst of humanity. Uh, it's he's turning inward. I mean, the things that he says—it's the type of shit that I used to hear my grandfather say. Right. Like these are—it's angry grandpa thinking. You know, the type of like just dismissively is like, "Well, I'll just kill all the drug dealers. That's right. how you get rid of them. That's how, I do don't know why we're coddling these people. I don't know why we're you know trying to reform or anything like that. Just kill them. They're yes. just terrible people. America's better off without them." President Trump
0: said he would, quote, love to have a law that executes drug dealers. That's according to Axios. Trump is reportedly a fan of Singapore's capital punishment policy. Again, this is we are not supposed to be like Singapore. No. They cane people for keen cars. I mean, it is horrible. The leader of this is according to this uh, Axios article. Uh, The leader of the world's largest economy believes all drug dealers should face the death penalty. President Donald Trump considers drug traffickers to be as bad as serial killers and would again, quote, to love to have a law that executes drug dealers. While he admits that such a law would be impossible to pass, the head of state may support legislation that requires a five-year minimum sentence for dealers selling as little as two grams of fentanyl use of the synthetic opioid more potent than heroin has been steadily climbing in north uh, in north america producing an increasing number of fatal overdoses pointing to singapore and the philippines as examples so it is just so backwards the way that he is dealing with the opioid epidemic. And, you know, the people who are going to be in prison are going to be his constituents. They're going to be poor. They're going to be white. They are going to be in the southern states, and they are going to be facing two grams of fentanyl. That is, the meanwhile... Uh, The drug companies, they gave 40 million bucks to Congress, both Republicans and Democrats, a little bit more to Republicans. They're making bank. They're selling grams and grams and grams of opioids and facing no ramifications. Nothing. uh, No. uh, the government isn't coming after them. Uh, they're not taxing or they're not uh, they're not finding them. They are doing nothing to address the root of our opioid epidemic, which is the big pharmaceutical companies. And I am not against all pharmaceutical drugs. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned on uh, when I was reading a creepypasta and last pod on last podcast on the left, I'm doing well. welcome to the club. No one's ever OD'd on it. <laughs> so it's like its it's just totally different. There are yeah. there are some good. Um, uh, drugs out there. Yeah, no one's but,
1: taking Wellbutrin for a good time. No,
0: and also no one is uh, prescribed it in in mass. You know, and it doesn't have the same effects as uh, something like an Oxy or a Percocet or whatever it might be. So he's totally skirting around the issue, which is the big pharmaceutical industries making billions and billions of dollars of profit off of over selling and over uh, prescribing opioids. It is another example where the poor, uh, they will pay the price for these huge corporations' greed. And I think it's just abysmal where we're going right now when it comes to drugs. Five years incarcerated for two grams of fentanyl, tearing a family apart, not going to solve the problem, solely going to make everything worse. And it is just another example of the inability for Donald Trump to understand humanity and understand everything. Rational policies going forward regarding how we can curb uh, the opioid epidemic in this country.
1: Well, I think there, there's also just a general misunderstanding of uh, people of uh, lower class than them in uh, this administration have you heard about this harvest box thing no i want to talk about the harvest box thing just okay. a little bit here at the end harvest box harvest box oh, okay. this <laughs> this is Interesting. uh it's a new proposal put forth by the administration to replace like ebt uh and snap oh okay uh, those sorts food of programs. programs yeah food programs they essentially want to take the blue apron model okay. uh, and take that nationwide and what do you, so, but the, so the government is going to
0: pay for the government's going food give boxes,
1: food boxes, yes, right. uh, food boxes delivered to people's doors. Uh, this. I think shows a fundamental misunderstanding. What does the government think they want to eat? That's my. Qu- if it's like all
0: McDonald's, uh, if it's all like Donald Trump fills them himself and it's Big Macs, chicken nuggets, maybe some soda. Hey, you know, maybe I'm not against it. Well, yeah, these these harvest. Can boxes. they call them Munchie boxes? They,
1: munchie boxes is actually already thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You can get Munchie boxes now. They those ah. are nice snacks. I think they actually sponsored a couple episodes of the last podcast. Hey, Nothing all right. About. Well, thank
0: you, Munchie thank boxes. Thank you, Munchie boxes. Whatever I need to munchie, I always. Is get my munchie box
1: <laughs> sounds disgusting uh, but they don't understand the lives of the people that are supposed to be getting these boxes especially right. like just say like the average life of someone here in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, a lot of neighborhoods in Brooklyn um, post uh, carriers postal character carriers don't bring boxes to people's doors right they just walk up to the door they write a little note that says mm-hmm. Package could not be delivered. They don't even try to deliver. Sure. Uh, they just pop it on the door uh, and then they Get out go there. on their merry way. Right. Uh, and so. I don't know if they go it, on a merry way. No, they, they definitely kind of go on it. like a mumbling, drunk, like, it's raining outside kind of way. But yeah. Drunk way. Sure. Uh, but. So that means that uh, the people who need these harvest boxes to eat, live, right. to eat, have to go to the post office to pick them up. Uh, and these people, you know, people who are working, right. you know, two jobs might be working 60, 70 hours a week. What if they can't get to the post sure. office? And then furthermore, what if the uh, mailman just leaves it there and someone else takes it? It seems to
0: me like this is the definition of food rationing. Yes. Which is totally, again, counter in, uh it's counter to what... The Republican brand was supposed to be all about to what
1: conservatism is supposed to be all about. Yeah. I mean, the the programs that we have right now, EBT and SNAP, they absolutely need to be reformed. There's a lot of room for fraud in those programs. There is They're, They absolutely need to be reformed. Yes. But this is this just shows a, a it shows a willful misunderstanding of what average mm-hmm. american lives and especially the average american life of uh, an american who needs assistance like this uh, what their lives actually are what their day to day is they don't understand they don't care they don't want to know no
0: they don't understand whatsoever growing up you know taking care of all the foster kids uh, you know we had a special card that would uh, that allowed us to buy uh, a limited uh, we had a finite amount of money on that card and that you were supposed to provide you know food and clothing for the child with that card of course wasn't nearly enough money. I mean, you know, no. we we definitely lost money on foster care, um, which I think is how it should be. There's nothing more disgusting than people using that as their main source of income. I don't think. Um, but yeah, this is totally, uh, completely insane. Does not understand the needs of the people. And again, who what what food are they going to be getting? I don't. The government believes that ketchup is a vegetable. <laughs> they believe that uh, that the pizza is a vegetable because of the tomato sauce. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that the, the government, the dietary standards that the government has been putting forward for the longest time are so unbelievably corrupt, so unbelievably owned by, for example, Big Sugar. Fed Up, a documentary we haven't mentioned in too long, mm-hmm. great documentary that goes into the Let's Move campaign uh, that Michelle Obama began. Great on its face, but you know what happened? Coca-Cola got involved. Nabisco got involved with the Let's Move campaign. It's going to be run by huge corporations that are selling us the poisons that are leading to massive obesity, that are leading to early death, that are leading to heart disease, that are leading to God knows what else. There's no way I trust the federal government to give a box of healthy food uh, to individuals all across this country. I mean, That is absolutely, completely anti-american and it's not if you're a true conservative i just don't see how you can support a policy such as this harvest box idea
1: i mean are they going to be giving them powdered milk i Who mean are, are you going to be because you can't send perishables no it's, uh, it yeah. sounds like the marshall plan for crying out loud what are,
0: <laughs> what are we going to be giving these people? exactly
1: that's what i'm very con-
0: you can't be giving them yeah you can't give them anything perishable uh-huh. so you can't have vegetables you can't have uh, good uh, good meats It's going to be nothing but, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, science manufactured, disgusting, horrible food. Sea rations. Exactly. All right. Well, that's interesting. That kind of plays into our final conversation I want to have tonight uh, or today about uh, now half of Americans up from 12 percent just a couple of years ago, 48 percent, according to a Gallup and Northwestern University poll, are for a basic universal income. This, of course, on the heels of automation as it's rising on a daily basis, uh, what we're teaching the robots to do is horrifying. If you just want to... <laughs> my favorite horror movie of all time is just bostondynamics.com. <laughs> I am, like, terrified. My girlfriend, Brooke, is, like, not... She's much more... Henry is the same way. Uh-huh. They welcome the robot overlords. I'm in between
1: the two Yeah, I'm skeptical but excited. <sighs> I'm horrified <laughs> in every do, single possible way. I do not enjoy the video of one robot opening the door for the other robot. Yeah, that's the that's the
0: future, Marcus. <laughs> that is the future. And they're not opening the door to help... uh elderly people get into a grocery market or something they're opening the door to have a home invasion and murder <laughs> your family so 48 percent of americans now believe that a universal basic income is needed uh, and that number again just the quick rise is uh, is really again a testament to what's going on regarding uh, technology automation this idea of a robot tax uh, uh germany for example i think it was last year or the year before Almost, they wanted to pass a robot um, a human, uh, a, um, a well, not a humanoid, a uh, a humanhood tax, basically, uh-huh. where you would give robots basically, uh, it's not human status, but it was used in order to tax the corporations that have the robots, so that then theoretically you could take that tax dollar because those are jobs that are now lost and give those back give that money back to people who are no longer working because their jobs were or humanhood i believe mm-hmm. a humanhood status uh, to those robots so that's kind of how they wanted to do it but it's just so horrifying humanhood sounds horrifying yeah the whole thing is horrifying <laughs> so now we have a situation where almost half of americans believe in a universal basic income and i'm just wondering on a societal level you know what is that going to do to us as people. This whole thing as we talked about on last week's episode, this uh expanse of just existence where we can talk to anyone across the globe, uh, it's been a, you know, just uh 100 years ago we were much more tribal, much more uh, you know, small town family-based, uh, and then of course as it kind of, you know, branched out, uh we got more and more um uh connected, but now, I mean in the past 10 years The whole world has opened up to our fingertips, and it has been really mind-blowing. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, what does this do to the human psyche? We used to identify with our profession. We used to identify with our religion. We used to uh, find our identity uh, in, again, family structures and things like that. So where does it go if we all just get a basic human income do people feel? What does that do to your self worth? Is is basically the question?
1: Well, what I uh, think about when uh, you know when we talk about this, one of the things I think about is uh, when. Uh You know, Obamacare was uh, being threatened so hard last year. We heard so many stories from people who uh, had life-threatening illnesses that were covered by Obamacare. And because they were now covered, they no longer had to work jobs that they had. They no longer had to work 50, 60 hour a week jobs or jobs that they couldn't stand just so they could have healthcare you know and so those people a lot of them what they did is they ended up having jobs that they actually enjoyed jobs that they actually cared about you know they ended up doing creative things Uh, and and I think if you introduce this basic income to people uh, it's going to stimulate the economy people want jobs they want to do things they want to create you know that's what America is we are a country of creators you know whether it be uh, innovations you know whether it be actual art or, uh, you know, certain like innovations or like mechanics or engineering or anything yeah. like that. Like we like to create. And if we have a lot of money coming into the economy, you know, the jobs that have to be done by people, the jobs that won't be done, that can't be done by robots. Uh, those. Well, there was a robot stand-up comedian that I saw on YouTube. Well, that's bad. Not very funny. <laughs> that's not going to be good. But... Okay, well, let's just take it there. Let's just take it, you know, let's use stand-up comedy as as an example. You know, everybody's got more basic income. That means they go to more comedy shows. Uh, if they go to more comedy mm. shows, pretty soon, the comedy club in town, uh, there's going to be too many patrons to fill that comedy club. So what happens? A second comedy club opens right. up. Right. Yuck Yucks 2. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck Yucks 2 over on I-95. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that can happen with a lot of different things. You know, people start going out to music venues more. So another sure. music venue opens, you know. And since people don't have to, you know, and since people can live uh, on, uh, on an income, they can spend more time creating things. You know, they can spend more time drawing. They can spend more time designing. Sure. You know, and America can become innovators again in that sort of way and we don't spend all of our time working ourselves to death I can see that aspect
0: of it with consumerism I also see you know the fact that this concept is lauded by Richard Branson Elon Musk Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg horrifies me. It's all people who I don't necessarily think have our best interest in mind. Um,
1: Elon Musk. He's, he's, he's okay.
0: He's fine. I'm not,
1: I don't, I think he's doing And Bill Gates is. Okay. Bill Gates is doing okay. Zuckerberg's Zuckerberg's a fucking demon, but yeah,
0: I mean, I I just don't think that they understand what the common person goes through. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, when it comes to identity, I just feel like, uh, we're really kind of shifting the whole idea of what it is. Marcus and I were talking before the show when it comes to, um, Uh, people are looking inward much more for their personal identity, whether it be uh, in uh, gender orientation or uh, whatever it might be. And that's how they are defining who they are as people, as opposed to what it used to be where you were defined by outward activities. Uh, You know, again, profession, um, you know, family and those kinds of things. And uh, I think it's just uh, we have to be very careful not to um, go down a path of, total like not a sometimes it's confusing to understand where people are coming from because where they're coming from is so hyper personal to them Mm -hmm. and there isn't like an overall uh there just isn't an overall playbook to understand uh you know um uh, what their what their self identity is, and that's I, I think leading to a lot of the conflict between people right now is that no one knows how to even talk to one another because no one knows uh, if they're going to say something wrong, or if they're if they're going to uh, you know uh, offend someone in some way unbeknownst to them. I believe intention has been kind of lost. I think very rarely it happens obviously but for the most part i don't believe people per- uh, want to offend i think that people don't purposely try uh, to be uh, mean spirited towards others but there is a, a diff- it's a more difficult world to navigate because we don't know personal identity the same way that we used to know personal identity and uh, i think it's creating a lot of walking on eggshells and a lot of um, uh, a lot of people going just staying in their enclave and that can just be online just you know saying why would I even bother talking to somebody because every time I do it seems as if uh,
1: uh, it, it doesn't go uh, well you know I don't know if that's the, I mean I, I'm not sure if that's the experience of people's day-to-day lives uh, that people are being offended in everyday life, like when they're just talking to each other. I think it's the whole offended thing uh, and people being terrible to each other. All that stuff happens online. Uh, it does. I, 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 think that, I think it happens more online. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it happens much more online, and I think – our sense of reality has been so skewed by uh, the internet it has been, it's completely been skewed. I saw it, something and ironically saw it on the internet. Uh, it of was course. something that someone said, uh, they said that we used to go to the internet uh, to escape reality. And now we go to reality to escape the internet. That's a great point. Uh, and I, because I think the internet has become so much of our reality. Right. Um, and I, think our views on the world and our views on each other are skewed, you know, precisely because we are not talking to each other. We're not out there. And I think part of that actually does have to do with money. Part of that does have to do with uh, how much we have to work because we work so much in this country. We have to So much of us have to work so much in order to make ends meet. Uh, And so there's not a lot of time left for socializing. Not not enough time left for like creativity. But there is enough time to look at your phone. There is enough time to sit in front of your laptop because that's easy. Because you're exhausted at the end of the day and you still need some sort of human Human interaction, yeah, so but you know, go to the internet.
0: For the it. internet reminds, uh, as far as from a human interaction standpoint, it's like masturbation. Mm. You know, you sure you do uh, have an orgasm, but it's just not the same. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> that, Yeah, no, I'm it, with it's you, man. Shallow, yeah, you yeah, know, and that's one of shallow. the interesting things I was thinking about this week, also, where it's like. We worked really hard, and a lot of people worked really hard, and it was easier for us than the previous generation to be able to get into a position where we could have a voice. Mm-hmm. And a voice was what really gives us our meaning of self-worth. And then all these people who never did anything, never uh, bothered to try, never wanted to understand humanity or understand ways to... Um, uh ingratiate yourself with other people, which is very difficult to do you got to go through the back door sometimes you got to figure out how uh, not manipulate isn't necessarily the right word but that is kind of the intention of having people fall in love with you right it's like a rule of secular humanism where it's like they have a preconceived notion of who you are and then you flip it and you break it uh, by informing them of who you actually are and that's where the love comes from because they're like oh and that's where you are remembered and that's where uh, you know they really kind of uh, you know realize that they were wrong about their assumption of you so what's happened now is people who didn't work hard uh, to have their opinions heard they were just presented with technology that just gave them a platform Mm -hmm. and a lot of them as we were talking about on last week's episode they are just totally misusing what's been given to them. And you know what? Having your opinion heard around the globe was never considered to be a right. And there's just a lot of people, I think, uh, hurting
1: a, a society one tweet or one Facebook post at a time. Well, I think, uh, again, and this goes back to something that you mentioned earlier and something that I've been thinking about, uh, is that we used to be a uh, religious nation, and I think a religious world. I think a lot of people uh, really, there's a, an existential Fear inside all of us. There's an existential fear of death and that we've all got it. We've all always had it. And in the past, you know, humans filled that fear with religion. But now it's, you know, especially in America, we're becoming less and less and less religious. So we have nothing to fill that existential hole with. And so what we're doing is we're filling it with each other. We're filling it with social media. We're filling it with each other's thoughts and emotions. Uh, and it's mm. terrible for us. Yep. I mean, it's it's uh, it's scrambling us. You it's know, it's s- making uh, it's making us uh, completely out of touch. Like, ironically, it's completely putting us out of touch with everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, obviously identity is
0: now, uh, you know, created by things that you enjoy, pastimes, activities. You know, if you're a sports fan or a pro wrestling fan or a fan of true crime, or of bones, <laughs> or of
1: digging, those are <laughs> I'm really- I'm a video game fan, all right? Video, video game say, yeah, fan. Yeah, comic books. Those a-
0: used to be sort of secondary character builders, and now those are becoming really at the forefront- of uh, of who we are as a human as as human beings and yeah. anyway I, I just think it's important we have to continue uh you know the opposite of what you were talking about with folks going out there and being really proactive and creating their art is people who just take a universal in- basic income and just sit there and just get wally
1: and just get fat <laughs> some and, of them are you know and some of them are going to do yeah, that so it's it
0: just it just depends i yeah, guess
1: some definitely are but uh, yeah. i mean what, what i can say is money does not buy happiness but it does buy time yeah uh, and that is something that a lot of people out there a lot of creative people uh if they had that if they had just a little bit more time uh and that's not to say that a universal income can take the place of job completely absolutely not but if you can get if a person can get an extra 10 20 hours a week to work on their craft and to not and to even not only that but to not be exhausted yeah. from those 10 20 hours of work a week to work on their own craft not just yeah. not just to work on their drawing or music or whatever uh but their engineering you know the little yeah. project that they're working on in their garage their little invention you know the the yeah, sort of in- fun and games until they shrink their kids <laughs> Say, "How yeah. do I
0: shrink the kids?" Yeah, reference?
1: or you know, their their way to you know study uh, study more on their own to learn stuff. Right. You know, to to become a more well rounded human being, where right. we're not just a nation of worker drones. I
0: guess it's just you know, identity sort of used to be projected upon you, and now it's up to you, yeah, uh, to create your own self worth, uh, which back in the day you could just kind of again get through uh, other means but either way that's going to be an interesting conversation that we're going to be having as a society as things go forward uh universal basic income uh, again the it's it's very politically split i think it's only 20 uh 25% or so of republicans and uh, into the 60s of democrats that that want that want universal basic income so this is going to be really a, um, a uh, issue that's going to be co- coming up in the very, very near future, probably 2020 mm-hmm. uh, in uh, on a uh, in the uh, large presidential federal election. Um, and uh, that will be an interesting debate. And I can see both sides of the argument. So we'll have to. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just those are going to be some of the unique things that no one thought we were going to have to be dealing with. <laughs> uh here coming up in the future um all right everyone well thank you so much for listening also just on a diane feinstein she's not being endorsed by the democratic party yeah. in california yeah, I, I think one. it's because they listened to our jim jones episode on <laughs> uh, last podcast she wasn't on the
1: necessarily involved she was just a part of the story she met him yeah and the amazing thing about just one quick thing about that is uh because uh the vote was split so much between the uh three candidates Nobody gets the money. Hey, all right. <laughs> Nobody gets the DNC. Everyone money. loses. <laughs> I like so, yeah, you know, like that was one of the, I read that on the, that was one of those moments where I said Jesus Christ out loud on the train while I was reading the paper, and a lot of people looked at me. All right, there it is. No one gets the money.
0: <laughs> okay, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Find us all on social media Marcus Parks, Marcus Parks for everything. Ben Kissel, one on Instagram, Ben Kissel on Twitter. Uh, And that's, I guess, yeah, watch all the, listen to all the shows here on the LPN network. Hail, uh, Hail yourselves, everyone. You're doing just great. We'll talk to you soon.
1: You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems.